one one last good one, okay? <laughs> you take a deep breath. Okay. Go. This this god <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Three, two, one, and go. This podcast has a really bad word. <laughs> no, okay. Say bad words. Bad words. This podcast has been brought to you by Blanc Studio, voted Niagara's best design company. We use creative magic to help bring your brilliant ideas to life. From branding to graphic and web design to creating future-proof marketing strategy, we are your one-stop shop for all your marketing needs. So what's your idea and how can we help you bring it to life? Find us at blonde.ca and you can find our website in the show notes. And shout out to our second sponsor, Kabaka Concept, a fashion project that plants a tree every time you purchase an order. We're changing the world one tree at a time. So find out more on how you can join this revolution at kabakaconcept.com. More details in the show notes. Let's get right into it. What's up? Welcome to the Conversations with Chance Matuku. Thank you so much for tuning in and I am excited to uh, share some ideas with you. Um, I hope you've been well. Uh, On this end, we have been uh, just pushing forward. Um, Lots of exciting things happening. Just launched a cool project um, with uh, Dispatch Restaurant, a multi-award winning um, local restaurant here in St. Catharines. Um, yeah, big shout out to my team that made all of this possible. Uh, Tam from Dispatch and the whole crew from Dispatch. Um, my creative team from Blanc, uh, Lily, uh, Grace for, uh, for your creative direction um, and styling. Blanc, all the way teamwork makes the dream work. Karol Motuku, my little brother for his uh, uh, music curation. Um, Alex for his uh, photography, of course, my wonderful models, Chris, uh, Marianne, um, and Amanda, you guys killed it as always. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure who else I'm I'm leaving out, but yeah, big up, big up to the team. Um, If you wanna check this project out, you can find it on Dispatch Restaurant's website. Um, and put in your order if they're still there because <laughs> the feedback has been crazy, you know, so um, hopefully you can get there in time. And if you go all, all over my socials, you will find you'll find it. Uh, the, the idea behind this uh, collection, this uh, limited edition collection is um, is to encourage young creatives, young thinkers and just young people overall to share their ideas with the world. And to not be shy about that, you know, to be unapologetic about expressing their opinions, because um, obviously they matter. Um, yeah, it's a gentle nudge for everybody, just all young people, to to get out into this sometimes big, uh, scary and scary world, um, and just share their ideas with optimism and 
um, and confidence, you know. So check it out. Always a departure. Let your dreams fly is the name of the collection. Um, yeah, check it out. Let's get right into it. Today's uh, episode is very, very special. Um, this individual and I actually sat down for this conversation a couple years back and uh, just something within me was like telling me to, to just, you know, sit on it for a while. Um, and looking back now, <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> this thing has aged like fine wine. Goodness gracious. Um, I initially saw their work online um, and I reached out to buy a, a chat book at the local Cafe Mate here in St. Catharines. And what was meant to be like a 10 minute interaction, you know, ended up lasting for like a couple hours. We quickly realized we had so much in common. We're both creatives. Um, we're both very opinionated. Um, we, we both have, you know, th th this love for Tupac, good music, uh, some comedy, Trevor Noah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and then fast forward a couple of years later, we have collaborated on multiple projects um, and lots more in the works to come. So yeah, it's just incredible what happens when you listen to um, that inner voice, your intuition, God's voice, you know, magic happens when you listen. So this is truly evident. Like when you're listening to this, just to set, you know, to set context for this, this today's episode, you are tapping into like if, if you know, um, if, if speaking your dreams to fruition was was a conversation this would be it <laughs> this is such a great example of that um yeah so without <laughs> without any further ado i'm going to get into introducing um my guest in today's episode this person is super super special um somebody who who um we we have our friendship um has grown from this interaction that you're about to listen to uh, this is my homie and it's crazy because literally from the first interaction we realized we were like we were homies and we just hadn't realized it yet um, she is a writer a sexual health educator um, a producer of a short documentary joy is our birthright um, her work has been published in the freaking New York Times. She is killing it on TikTok in, um, in the area of sexual education. Um, at the time when I was talking to her, she was just a freelancer. And um, now she literally is just, you know, killing it. She's an educator, um, just overall dope human. <laughs> she runs workshops all the time. She's just always, always creating, you know, and of course, she's my homegirl. This is Lydia Collins in the flesh. You know what I mean? Um, and in this conversation, we talk about so many things, the black experience as a um, as as uh, as as youth, as uh, young creatives in this world. What does that mean? We talked about she, Lydia was just dropping gems. She was she is so far ahead of um, over her time. She's she was dropping gems like John Henryism, code switching, um, just like so many gems. We 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 talked about her chat book at, at the time, which um, is called Angry Black Woman. 
and um, recently her most uh, her most recent chapbook, which I was a collaborator on, Blonde Studio was. My team and I helped create the illustration and creative direction for that project. Uh, it's called uh, To Everyone We've Ever Been. But at this point in time, we were talking about um, angry black women. So we get into that. Um, yeah, we talk about Trevor Noah <laughs> a bunch of times. Um, just so many gems. Like, whew, you're in for a good one because we get deep on some things. Um, anywho, without any further ado, Lydia Collins. Let's get right into it. And thanks uh, for having me in, in your spot. Oh, really for cool. sure. Thanks for the tea. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's <was> amazing. <laughs> thanks for the laughs, too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> um... I feel like everything and nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like looking for new jobs and stuff, so it, it feels like job search is so straining, so it feels like you're busy, but at the same time, you don't have like a strict set schedule mm. at the time, so it's like, I feel like I also have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird space, but yeah, um, just trying to do as much writing as possible, so I've been writing a lot, a lot of poetry. Yeah. I've been trying to do some other stuff too. I've been trying to get into like film, like script writing and stuff as well. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, just trying to stay busy. Yeah, stay busy. Actually, I, I, I was a, a little bit ahead of myself. Tell them about yourself and oh, what okay. you do. Set, set the table here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what do I do? Um, so yeah, so I have a blog mm. and I, I'm a writer, I'm a blogger, um, I'm a poet. Um, I recently published my first chat book. It's a book of poetry called yes. Angry Black Women. Um, and I'm a workshop facilitator. So I do mostly like in universities and in the community and um, different centers and whatnot, you, um, workshops on things ranging from like sexual health, um, sexual violence prevention and consent, um, as well as anti-black racism. So um, that's what I spend most of my time doing. Um, yeah. That's sick. <laughs> so, as you can hear, Lydia is is very um, multi talented, and she she's not afraid to to explore different types of creativity to express herself. You know, and I think um, as 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 just creatives, that's that's an important aspect to just keep it keep it flowing yeah. and keep creating. You know, in in many ways. Um, so. Uh, let's let's get right into it. Um, what are your inspirations? Who inspires you? <laughs> um, I would say when it comes to like, um, I guess more celebrities mm. and famous people, my Angelos are always been at the top of the list. Yes. In regards to writing and whatnot, um, Tupac is a big one for me mm. too. Um, I always loved his music, his West poetry. <laughs> What's up? His music, his poetry. Um, I don't know, growing up, I always, and people was always funny because people were like, why is this little girl so obsessed with thug life? Like, what's, yeah. what is going on? This little girl from the suburbs of Thorold yeah. is like singing West Side. Like, it didn't make sense. But I think it's funny because even looking at, obviously as different as our lives would have been, mm. obviously looking at his upbringing and, the way he lived and the things that he went through in comparison to my own struggles and the only things, own things that I went through mm. it was always interesting in his like music and his in his poetry seeing how it was still so relatable you yes. know what I mean like such different childhoods for still two black people in North America but it's like 
such different childhoods, but at the same time, I'm seeing so many similarities and mm. the words are resonating with me. And I'm like, that's a great artist. You know what I mean? The fact that you can like, your words can resonate with somebody even right. when I have no clue of the actual like physical the space context. that you grew up in yeah. or the actual, you know? So I always found that really interesting. Um, also always had a really big crush on him. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, I always just really, really enjoyed him. Um, I also really love, who else do I love? A newer one for me, that's probably like new as in from the last like five years, mm. would be Claudia Rankin. Um, she's a black poet and black American poet. Yeah, I'm not mm. kidding. Yeah, American poet. Um, and she has this really dope poetry book called Citizen. If you want to borrow it sometime, you always can. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> it's so, so, so good. And it actually inspired a lot of my poetry because I haven't I started writing poetry more so in the last two years mm. before it was a lot of blog writing a lot of like fig, like playing around with different samples of writing and seeing what I liked okay um <clears throat> and poetry I mean I journal a lot but I didn't really consider it poetry mm. um so I've been working on my poetry more over the last couple of years and she's somebody that's really helped me in kind of guiding what my poetry style is like mm -hmm. and I've had people be like okay your your writing reminds me of like Toni Morrison and um I've had some people talk about like Claudia Rankin as well so mm -hmm. um definitely is a compliment and somebody that I look up to in that regard um she actually yeah it's really 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 awesome poetry book it's a lot about um race mm -hmm. about gender about um, so many different things about the state of America, about about so much. Like right um, now, is she still living? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a newer one. That's, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's from. I don't know when it was published. Let me pull it out. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an American that lyric. Cool. Um, and it's about yeah, like police brutality, all these kinds of things, um, racism in America. Like so, so many great quotes, so many cool images, and like. Um, pictures that she has in the book so yeah um, even when I was writing my chat book like I was super super inspired by yeah um, by this I see you have you have some yeah. things highlighted would you mind pulling out do you want me to <laughs> yeah some bars yeah you'll there's be some... doing some reading today <laughs> trust <laughs> there's actually there's one that I do really want to bring up mm. okay yeah this one was really interesting to me mm. so um, pretty much this poem was about being they're talking about, I think she was talking about being in the car with like a white coworker, a white person or something like that. Yes. Um, and I guess what the how the conversation ended up. And so at one point she says, you're reminded that a friend once told you that there exists the medical term John Henryism for people exposed to stresses stemming from racism. They achieve themselves to death trying to dodge the buildup of erasure. And I remember reading that and I was like, holy crap. And then I like looked up John Henryism and stuff like that. And it's, it was so interesting to me because it's always interesting to see medical terms yes. and like, um, yeah, just different terms for things that are a result of racism. racism. You know what I mean? Because I think it's funny. And a lot of my friends, when they, when I read that to them, they were like, wow, that's, that's like incredible deep. to hear, yeah. you know? Because I think so oftentimes, especially in Canada, racism kind of gets brushed off because it's so microaggressive here. Yes. So people are like, oh, it's fine. It's not slavery, so you're fine. And mm. it's not this, so you're fine. It's not Jim Crow laws and you're not being lynched. Like, <laughs> yeah. but they don't, they don't, they're not putting two and two fine together of the fact that it's fact still that here. Still and it's like so crept into the everydayness of our lives. Well, yeah. There's that racism Which in the workplace ignoring. and exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And um, 
Yeah, for for the yeah. listener, um, would you put John Henryism into context? What what is John Henryism? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not the best at explaining some definitions, but <laughs> but essentially, from what I understood, there was actually a person named John Henry, mm. um, and he was like he was a worker, um, and I think just pretty much having to do with the fact that there's people who kind of like go with that pull yourself up from the bootstraps mentality mm. trying to like avoid racism right yes. like that kind of idea of if we all are like the Obamas or like yes. the you know the Cosby family mm. in the show <laughs> in the show <laughs> not in real life um, <laughs> then then we'll be fine and yes. you know regardless of race that's yeah. not going to be a barrier because we can you know what I mean mm. um, and it's like such a it bears so much weight mm. of that, of the, I guess, trying to dodge racism all the time. Yes. Um, just kind of that heavy effect. That's what I understand from it. Mm. Um, I'm that's sure there's much better definitions out there. Um, but that's that kind sense. of what I take from it, yeah. So wow. it's interesting to, to see things like that. And even, I don't know, hearing about different ways that um, racism could play such a big role. Because a lot of times people also think like they're very dismissive of racism because yes. they're like okay well there's no scientific term there's no you know what i mean that, that you still have effects from it slavery is done so you're fine mm. but even when you think like there's so much research and studies going on um these days especially um of like intergenerational trauma right yes. so like people actually looking at the fact that okay there is actual scientific proof that it's in our dna yeah that we have um like these traumas go get passed on from generation to generation yes. goes so on. yeah and it's, um, I think, just talking about like racism, uh, you mentioned Tupac, who I'm a huge uh, like fan of, you know? Hey, <laughs> I think we should have, <laughs> you know, just having Tupac day. I'd be so down Love for that. Tupac. I'd be so down for that. Um, and talking about, obviously, uh, Dr. Maya Angelou, and then I think even sort of backtracking into your your poetry book as well, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like you, you you sort of brought all these elements and um, like basically shined light on them really well in a poetry book. Thank you. And which I really enjoyed. And <clears throat> for for the people that are listening, uh, we'll give you like a little bit more detail on how to uh, be able to get this text as well, which I 100% recommend to everyone. Um, I, th I I just think it was it was an art piece in in its own way. You know? Thank you. Um, so in the book you you talk about yes like racism and even um sort of the 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 experience of the black woman in today's society would you um like talk a little bit about that as well mm -hmm. sure i feel like you have you have an interesting perspective on that yeah yeah i feel like in the in the book it was important for me to try to it's even within the title itself, right? Like try mm -hmm. to encompass yes. so much because that even that title alone says so much. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because the reactions that I get, even just walking around with the book, like people looking at it being like, what the fuck? <laughs> Angry black woman, what? <laughs> yeah. Or even like the people who printed it for it, like the printing um, company that I used. Yeah. Um, I remember the woman who binded my books together when I went to pick them up, she was like, she's so sweet. She's like, because there's pictures in there, right? Yeah. And they're meant to be ironic. It's all black women smiling. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, angry black women but they all look so happy yeah. <laughs> so like it's just it's it, that was the point was to kind of I guess take that stereotype or that archetype of the angry black woman mm. and be able to kind of like flip it on its head and I be like it. okay one we can 
recognize that we can challenge the stereotype, but I think also at the same time, I wanted us to be able to like embrace it. Mm. And I think for me, the last two years, especially in my own personal life, like anger is an emotion that I've really been trying to embrace. Mm. Um, and people are always kind of like, huh, when I say that, but I yes. think people often are very dismissive of that emotion and they don't, they don't, they don't take it seriously. They think mm. that anger is just you being hysterical. Anger yes. is just violence. Anger mm. is just, but it's like, no, anger can, some of my best work comes out of that emotion, you know? Right. Like it doesn't have to just be sadness mm. or or anything like that. So I think, and even I remember somebody telling me before that anger is the only emotion where you actually think things clearly, the mm. way you truly, truly feel about them, wow. right? Because it's funny, because when you, even when you think about, and I thought about that and I was like, when you think about, for example, a romantic relationship, if you get into an argument with your girlfriend or with your boyfriend or whoever, you're probably gonna play it safe and not cross certain lines, yeah. right? Because you're not, like if you're not super angry, yeah. because you're obviously thinking about it a certain way and you're in the relationship, you still love them, you know what bounds not to cross, mm-hmm. boundaries not to cross. Whereas once you're broken up, you can look back from like a non-biased perspective and be like, nah, that Honestly. was messed up. Yes. That was fucked up. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't appreciate that. Um, and so that being in that anger, I don't know, in, in anger, you can often think of things clearly. Yeah. Um, whereas we usually only hear about the ways that anger can like blind us from, from thinking clearly exactly. and blind us from being doing anything productive. Mm. So I was really trying to like straddle that emotion and, and, and play with that and in regards to race because all the time, and you know me, like you see me around, I'm always smiling. I'm mm. always friendly. I'm always Trust that person. Oh, but yeah. even if I'm, you have to go so much more as a black woman, not because being black and being a woman, people are always like, smile, mm. smile, do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's you like, the, smile more. yeah, you should smile more. <laughs> no. So it's like the second, <laughs> it's like the second that I'm not smiling, I'm not bubbly. I'm not having my customer service on. I'm not code switching into being mm. like, hi, da, da, da. Yeah. then it's instantly it's like, oh my gosh, she must be scary. She must be angry. She must be this. Mm. And so it was kind of challenging that of like, challenging that perception of black women needing to always be bubbly, light, easy to digest for everybody else. Mm. But also I wanted to embrace it in the sense of, yes, we are angry and what? We get it from every angle. Mm. So black women like literally carry the weight of the world on our shoulders while we're still cooking, cleaning, taking care of everybody else, everybody else's kids. You know what I mean? (laughs) Doing everything for everybody else. But what are we really getting in, you know, what is the world have really giving back to us? Yeah. Um, so of course there's going to be anger. Of course. of course there's going to be anger. Of course you're going to be upset. We deal with racism all the time. I was writing for, my friend was doing a research project mm. and I was um, answering some questions for her and it was about like um, racialized workers in, in the Canadian like labor market. So she was asking me to like talk about some experiences of like racism that I've dealt with, whether it be in the hiring process or in the actual workplace. Mm. And I was like, the fact that I could think of so many is ridiculous. <laughs> and I was talking about the fact that my first job when I was 17, um, I went in and the lady was like, hmm, you didn't sound black on the phone. What? <laughs> and then in that same That's workplace, crazy. I had a woman who was like, much older than not like she was older than me too so it was especially that whole idea of like don't you know better yeah um and she was like i entered the room and she addressed me as hey black bitch in front of everybody and i was the only black person there luckily she got fired like that was said to hr and everything but just the like everyday microaggressions that we deal with on a regular basis like wearing our hair a certain way and people being Mm. touching it and doing this like 
being tr- literally being treated differently depending on the way that you go into work with a hairstyle mm. like the way I go into work with a wig comparison to with dreads in comparison to with my bald fade like wow. it's gonna be so different, different. you know what I mean like yes. some play, there's places in the in North America in the states where literally dreads are banned <laughs> you can't they're banned That's from insane. the workplace you can't wear them um, in the workplace in school so I guess just all these little things that are actually quite big things but they add up so much and it's like of course there's anger of yeah. course we're we're dealing with this stuff black women have the highest rates of um death death during childbirth we have mm-hmm. the we're told that we um like never believe for our pain so we have mm-hmm. the highest rates of um heart um like heart issue heart attacks yes. um like all these different things where it's like health wise we're not getting support financially we're not getting support um, we're not being taken seriously in the workplace. Mm. We have high rate, extremely high rates of sexual violence against us, and our bodies are seen as disposable. Mm. Please don't even bother looking into our cases. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, of course, when we're getting it from every angle, mm. and then we don't have support from our own men, and for you know what I mean? It's like exactly. we, it's it's really difficult. Um, obviously so of course there's anger so i kind of wanted to like put that out there too of like you can embrace that you can embrace anger as a constructive emotion as well but also some days if you really are just angry whether it's productive or not yeah like that's valid that's That's real you know what i mean that's that's it's coming understandable yeah and uh, i think yeah it's just all those things that you mentioned and at the end of the day what you you expect me to to be happy about right (laughs) and then they're confused like why isn't she left smiling and walking around and happy (laughs) no like not everybody that's not how it that's not the reality Mm. so like there's just so much going on where it's like we're all we're not living in a system that's one built for us Mm. we're living on land that's stolen Mm. like we were talking about the fact that a lot of us when um, a lot of people, when they go back to their homes in Africa or in the Caribbean or wherever, mm-hmm. they just feel better, yes. right? Like their hair grows more, their skin <laughs> glows, like the food that, that they eat, they feel good, right? And then yes. you come here and it's like you're eating like GMO <laughs> filled, you know, yeah. like just everything about it. I'm from here and I still don't feel at home here. That's you cool. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that kind of longing, like that diaspora longing mm. of just wanting to be in a place that you feel comfortable both in regards to like the actual space that you're in but also the people around you yeah so it's interesting because i feel like a lot of people of all different races all different kinds of racialized people have that kind of um missing a home that you've never even been to exactly right so and uh, i think it's 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 uh it's interesting how um uh, you know, th- there are, you know, things that are, you know, physiological. I think I was uh, I was actually looking at uh, doc- some of, you know, Dr. Sebi's uh, research mm-hmm. and nice. talking about nutrition and everything. You know, um, there are, you know, uh, these physiological things that are coming up. But sadly, it's not just that. There is a, a lot of the things that we have to deal with, you know, as, you know, people that come from a, a quote-unquote minority right. are caused by by other human beings, which exactly. is, you know, the sad part. Exactly. Um, and it just, it, it makes you just question uh, even, like, just human intellect. Like, we, we live in a day and age where we have, like, more than enough resources. Right. Like, more than enough, you know, proof and more than enough just more. We have more information, so you can't really say that you know, people from the other planet, from the other uh, continent are, 
you know, less intelligent right. than us. Like we have all the, we have, we're educated. Right. Yet some of these these issues still exist, especially racism. Right. Right. It's uh, it's it's quite. I don't know. It's it's surprising in right. a way, but sadly, it's out there. Right. And both of us has, have experienced it, and sadly. Uh, other you know people like us continue to uh, experience it on a yeah. daily basis especially being a, a black woman right in this society and that's the thing if you take in any other like margins of intersection like if you're black and gay if you're black mm. and a woman yes. if you're black and like exactly. any like, any kind of gender minority if you're mm. black and disabled if you're yes. black and fat like just all these different kinds of things where it's like if your body or your fit like if you don't fit a certain type yeah. of like social structure yeah right if you're not like a thin because even when you look at like when we see these campaigns on instagram mm. of like oh we love black women now we love we love afros now fuck they're so beautiful but it's like always and they're like we love dark-skinned women Mm. and it's like okay great but why are the only ones you're showing beautiful bikini like in bikinis Mm. models yes and their afro is great but it's like the huge 4c hair like nobody cares about small froze nobody cares about fat dark-skinned women like Mm. nobody's giving that same energy to precious Mm. nobody was giving her that they were making fun of her like yes so it's like okay it's great of course and of course those women are still absolutely beautiful Mm. of all sizes all shapes all shades black is beautiful but when you're only showing a certain kind on TV, what do we see? We only see biracial families when it comes to seeing black people on TV, like in commercials and stuff. Mm. It's like, okay, you'll see like someone with like three C kind of curly hair, mm. um, like green eyes, mm. super, super light skin freckles, you know, like the closest thing that the closest thing that they could have found to, to white. Yeah. That's not white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> physically. So it's just interesting because, and even going back to your point about health, it's funny because, um, I talk about this a lot, like in some of my workshops with with some people, we talk about like capitalism and the effects of, um, I guess, the West in in general Mm. and in regards to resources and things like that. And about the fact that North America, like we have the most amount of allergies, Mm. right? Like I have a gluten intolerance. I got a gluten allergy in my adulthood. I've never met anybody from any other place in the world who has a gluten intolerance. Yeah. What the fuck is that? It's because of how our wheat is processed. It's because of how our food is made. It's because we have so much processed food. Of course. You know what I mean? So it's just funny because, and even like we, we consume the most amount of meat. Nobody's supposed yeah. to be eating this much meat. Right? So it's like, it's just so, it's just so interesting. And even, um, I was talking to somebody the other day about the fact that we come to... People, a lot of people come to North America for this idea of like a better life mm-hmm. and we go to university and we learn all these things about theory and yes. um, make everything theoretical and we can talk about you know sociology and talk about all these different concepts but we don't know how to actually put them into practice yes. and like the fact that we don't have any concept of how to like sustainable living yeah. like why do I know how to I don't know the Pythagorean theorem or whatever's mm. theory that math thing yeah. and why do I know how to talk about certain issues for mm-hmm. in depth and get research and statistics and talk about all these different things. Mm-hmm. But I like so many people can't even like plant a garden. Exactly. Don't know how to plant a tree. They don't, don't know, know how to make their own foods. Like. They don't know what fruit <laughs> trees look like. They don't know. Like, why don't we know how to grow things? How, mm-hmm. why do we not know, know how to cook certain things? Why not? Like, and my friend said it the other day um, in such a great way. She said, the earth is our mom. Like, mm-hmm. she right. has everything we need. Yes. We just don't know how to 
utilize it. Utilize it. And when you look at African and indigenous people, historically, we've always known how to, mm. but that's always been kind of beaten out of us of like, nope, we're going to go with the convenience way. Yeah. <laughs> so get in, get on board with capitalism or else you're going to be screwed. Yeah. Like we're not going to learn how to get water. We're going to just learn how to get it in bottles. Exactly. You know, we're yeah. not going to learn how to properly dispose things or plant trees or, mm. so it's just interesting too, because I don't know, we, we, like if, if everything was to be wiped out today, all of the convenient mm. things we have, grocery stores, all that. Yes. What would we actually do? Exactly, and that's what, what would we actually that's what I was do. Thinking, like if, uh, if um, yeah, if power went out for even two weeks. Yeah. Think, even a week, people yeah. be lost. <laughs> <It'd> be <laughs> but, so people drastic. be lost. They're like, um, <laughs> what's going on? Where do I go? And I find myself even like doing this too, like. Like, I had to put in the GPS to get here. Right. You know, whereas, like, like, and I've been in this area for a while. Like, I shouldn't, I should know where this street is. Right, know. right. But we... We, we don't even pay attention. So we don't. Yeah. Like... Because we don't have to. Everything <laughs> thinks for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you see people now, 10-year-olds with iPads who, who never had to have, like, paper directions to get somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> or, like have never had to like I think about this neighborhood because I grew up here mm. and my friends used to like live obviously near the street and everything mm. and you figure out how to get there I didn't have phones I didn't even have like I wasn't even using Google Maps like I didn't even know how to use that so I was literally you walk to your friend's house you, memory. you don't call them you knock on their door if you call them it's their landline like there's just I don't know you knew how to do things uh, without having to be like okay of course I can rely on my phone so I'm not even gonna bother we don't have to think for ourselves Mm-mm. you know which is scary which is terrifying and you see more and more of the uprise of like using robots and robotics mm-hmm. and it's like I thought that was only in movies, <laughs> but we see it more and more. It's like, no, people are actually using yeah, these, yeah. like, for everything. It's, it's for cooking, crazy. for cleaning, for sex, mm-hmm. for everything. People don't have to do anything <laughs> for themselves these days. It's like, it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. That, that is scary. Isn't it? And you know the, and just kind of, you know, backtracking in terms of talking about even, like, race and everything and the advancement of, you know, technology, um, this, this now talk about even I think you know it this possibility of even racism being plugged into this 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 algorithm right which is which it, it is scary yeah you know imagine um, if you have like automated automated you know uh, job selection things and right you know, it's, it's and they only pick people named Connor like yeah <laughs> you know yeah that, I, um, that's interesting and even uh, I think and Part of it is like, yes, the system can be, you know, crooked and, you know, but I think even to us as just young, uh, young black uh, kids growing up in the system, I think it's our responsibility to, to, to make sure we fight to, to make sure that our, our voice is being heard regardless, yeah. you know, making sure that uh, one thing I, I want to continue to do is to at least you know, just spark little ideas in my neighborhood and, right. and show them that you know what you you don't have to drop out of school. You can actually go and like and do tech. Right. You know, make sure right. we have more people, more diversity, and and a more balanced type of people in, right. in those. You know what I mean? I think that's so important. I think that's something I've I try to do so much. And I've been thinking about it more and more lately. Is encouraging youth to do things 
like whatever your calling is, whatever you're passionate about, whatever mm. you love to do, whatever you can contribute to your community, whatever you can do, mm. do that. If you yes. want to be a plumber, do that. We need that. That's yeah. always something that's frowned upon. Everyone's Absolutely. like, no, you have to go to university. Oh, yeah. You learn a trade. We need that stuff. If that's something that you're good at or that you enjoy doing, mm. do that. If you can fix light bulbs, you're really good at fixing light bulbs, do that. Do People it. in your community are going to need it. Of like, course. start a light bulb business. Oh, if yeah. you're really, really good at making fucking tacos, <laughs> make, get a taco truck. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I try to steer away from just encouraging people to only go through university, mm. right? Go to college. Go to like, something that's a little, maybe a little bit shorter. Mm. Something that's a little bit more specific. Or get into an apprenticeship. Mm. Or whatever you, it is you want to do after high school. Like, I encourage education, absolutely. But like make sure that you can use it in practice and make sure that you're yeah and make sure that it's something that you care about don't just go the amount of people that go into these majors that they don't give a shit about yes because their parents said go into accounting oh yeah and then they're confused because why accountants are one of the highest rates of suicide when it comes to professions of course how many people wanted to actually go into accounting (laughs) like you know what i mean of course people do but the amount of people who didn't want to do that so it's just like really Mm. try to do that really try to i really try to push youth to whatever it is that you love like mm-hmm. hold on to that you know yes. don't don't let don't let it get beaten don't out strain. of you yeah. yeah and also even again with this idea of like things being able to like not having to think for ourselves mm-hmm. that's why i'm so and like i know you'll hear me talk about it all the time but i'm so strict on like wanting to preserve books mm-hmm. You know, like I don't yeah. ever, everyone's like, e- get an ebook, make, yeah, put your yeah. book online, make it an ebook. I want people to still forever to be reading. I want yes. you to literally have to pick up something and read it. Mm. We know that one, you retain knowledge better that way. We know that two, it's better for your eyes. Like it's just overall better. And yes. you're, contr- and you're actually like, I don't know. It's just, it also makes it more personal. Like I remember even with my book, because I kind of sell it, it's just through me. It's not through mm. like a big publishing company, right? Yes. So everyone's like, oh, I really love how personal it is. It's really more intimate because I'll literally meet up with someone at a coffee shop like we did yes. and give you your book and exactly. we'll talk and whatever. And I don't want people to lose that, you know, like that's, that's part of the beauty of having physical meaningful. things, right? Yes. Whereas to just have everything online, like the internet's going to some like, the internet is not solid. No. It's going to crash one day. Of course. Something's going to happen someday. Mm. We've already seen enough bugs and hackers. Like, anything can happen. So, I don't want to just have all of my... And I love blogging, don't get me wrong, because obviously it's useful in mm. this in this era. Yes. But I don't want my only imprint in this world to be online. Like, I, I can't, I can't leave the world with that, you know? That so, I'm just so... I. I get so sad when people are like, print is dead, print is dying. I'm like, it's never going to die. <laughs> it's never going to die. I want us to have magazines. I want us to have books. Mm. I want us to have newspapers. And we can up them and develop them in different ways. Like, yes. I, with time, things change, right? Maybe we can change the format and the ways that newspapers look. Maybe of we course. can make more, like, literary magazines rather than newspapers. Maybe, mm. you know, maybe we can do things like that. But we need to, I think it's so important to keep that. Even like any kids that I know, my goddaughter, any kids that I know, mm. I don't I don't buy them clothes anymore. I don't buy them any of that stuff. Books. Because nobody cool. even reads anymore. No. And I know I sound like, you know, someone's grandma. Like, <laughs> nobody <laughs> even reads anymore. But like, I look at them it's and I look around though. even at like kids who are only like 10, 15 years younger than me. Because we're not even that old. And I'm like, <laughs> even in that short time, you know, from my childhood to now, it's so different. Like, I know. You don't even play outside. You don't even read. You don't even... And that's terrifying to me. Like, and I actually... I remember 
uh, a lot of my childhood memories have to do with just books and, and flipping yeah. through the pages. Like, um, we even came up with little games, you know, with that had to do with flipping through pages. Right, right. You know, and just these things. And um, I feel like with, with the digital... Uh, transition of things a lot of that that experience and even from a design perspective I I value the human experience right, you know, um, right. I think in the digital space you have you'll kind of confine it a little bit more right you know? and like you were saying with, with text like and holding just a, a physical book it, it's a different it's a different, different experience, experience. even the images like mm. you know the illustrations the right like I don't know, just having that concrete, yeah. you know, something actually written. It's, I don't know, it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful experience in comparison to, and don't get me wrong, like, obviously tech is advanced and the digital world has so many great things to it, but, mm. like, to solely rely on that, I don't ever want to do, you know? So, like, like, I don't want to only exist online. Exactly. And, you know, I did a, a project uh, last summer and, um, yeah, it, it was it was a photography project, but when I printed it off and, physically holding the prints was right. just a different a different energy yeah and that's why i 100 get where you're going and i i agree like yeah. we 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 can't just solely depend online especially for creatives too and for the people that are listening uh one of the gems i would i would love to even just plug in there is um make sure your work isn't just online you know yeah. make sure it's you're not just uh, a, a an internet an internet creative yes it is a great platform to right. to reach out to a new pro to a, a broader audience but make sure you also have work that you can physically experience right. as well right right because like Lydia is saying if the if Instagram goes down you know all your work is gone if your Instagram page gets deleted <laughs> exactly if you know what I mean yeah what are you gonna what are you gonna do, gonna do? <laughs> what are you and gonna do and even if you do stuff solely online, like even if your business is you're like a YouTuber or something like that, mm. still kind of have that like intimate relationship with your viewers, with your yes. supporters, like get stuff that's physical that you can sell or that you can mm. even give out. Go see people. Like I know a lot of YouTubers and stuff will do things like tours and stuff. I don't mm -hmm. know what you really do on tour if you're a YouTuber. I don't really <laughs> understand that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not even trying to be rude. Actually, I, don't, I think it's just like a meet and greet type thing. Yeah. But like do things like that. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know. And I know that a lot of people too, um, even like once they do one platform, like YouTube or something or something online, sometimes they'll do things like, okay, write a book after mm -hmm. two because they already have that yes. platform. So like- So sort of just use it as a segue to transition. Yeah. You know, just always look to, and just like anything in life, just find different ways to, to keep building on it. You yeah. can just stay stagnant and just rely on one thing. Right. Another thing that I'm Definitely. actually looking into now is is building those email lists, you know, because there's yes, there's a lot those are of so great important contacts like that I have online. But imagine like again, if I get locked out of my account or something, like yeah. I lose them. Yeah. And so building those email lists. Those are that's huge. That's uh, really important. And you know, one one thing that you also talked about was uh, in terms of anger, and um, I thought it was interesting because. Uh, again, <laughs> talking about uh, Trevor Noah, um, and uh, I was w one of his interviews. He was talking about um, how a lot of you know good art, a lot of you know creativity comes from times of you know oppression. Right. You know, and I, I found that interesting. Where um, I call it like finessing, like when when, right. when you basically. <laughs> 
take a negative experience and use that to fuel, you know, something right. creative. And I think this question came off of, you know, he, the context of his comedy. And right. Like, you know, like <laughs> I made money off racism. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's a good you know, feeling. You, you yeah. Press me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use it. To, right. To right. leverage my my creativity, and I think that's important too. Um, just always, um, and I think it's a, it's also a, a nod to uh, optimism. Right. You know, we, we you could take a negative experience, um, let's say as a as a, a young black woman growing up in this society, as a young black male, um, whatever uh, you whatever you're dealing with, you could take that in, in a negative way and just you know let it beat you down, or right. um, basically just use that, see that as an opportunity to speak up and to to create a platform. Right. And I think you've done that really, really well. Thank you. Um, I forget the name of the poem. Um, in, in, in your book I should I should know this but um, oh I thought I had a copy yeah, yeah I was like <laughs> you know. I was like I got you there's one in it was uh, you were talking about you had something to do with hair I remember there was a line. say yeah say a lot say like words from a couple words if you have any and I might be able to think of it uh, hair yeah you talk I think oh. it was too much too oh yes 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 um child. why can't I think of it um <laughs> A, re- a, re- a response to my future black child mm-hmm. when they asked me why I'm oh, crying. Oh, man. It was a long title. That's why every time people <laughs> ask me, people like that one, which I really appreciate. That but I always, every time I'm trying to think of it, I'm like, the really long title one. Yeah. Future black child. Something about a, something about a black child. <laughs> that was that was incredible. Thank you. Because, um, yeah, we, as, as creators, we're, we're very imaginative. And for sure, one, I'm, I'm sure you have just from this title as well. You, you think about, you know, when you're blessed to have children, what, how you would talk to them, you know, right. when, when they encounter a situation right. or when they come home one day crying and, you know, somebody was being racist to them and they don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that poem for me sort of was a, a guiding tool to like to even show, start introducing that language and how to speak to, to, to my child, you know. Right. Um, and specifically that that part about hair was like really powerful you know you can wear your hair however you want right because we all have experienced this you know um, being around people who are not they don't look like you and they are a little bit thrown off by your hair right you know there's so many questions oh yeah and they want to touch it I remember my first experience in Canada was I didn't know it was actually I I love love attention yeah yeah um I I will use that to my advantage so I I came first day of grade six and the kids just loved my hair and they were just touching it I was like oh this is cool (laughs) you know but then so till today I don't know what where they were coming from you know in terms of touching it and they might have been it might have been just an innocent thing it might have been you know making but at that time I used that to my advantage right right you know but um, just reading that line just brought back his memories and it's like you know um it for sure was a tool for me you know you you equipped me with something that i can can use in the future thank you um it made me like it made me think a lot too even like thinking about going back to um like in the classroom when you're younger and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff when i was writing that poem one of the things i was kind of thinking of was also for children of color especially in north america if you're in like a predominantly white school Mm. um like because me and a good friend of mine 
we were talking about this idea, this concept in North America of bullying, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, it's used as this big umbrella term and every, and there's always a lot of like anti-bullying campaigns and things like that, which is great. Yes. Um, so like everybody kind of understands what bullying is and understands, you know, don't be mean to each other. But that's the thing is that it's kind of left at that surface level of don't be mean to one another. Mm. So when somebody on the playground calls me a nigger, mm. the teacher's gonna say, oh, bullying's bad, don't be mean to each other, and kind of trivialize that situation. Mm. And so we talked about the importance of, like, calling things what they are, even from a young age, because kids need to understand it. Because, of course, they they might have not... um, They might not be a malicious person. They're obviously Mm. a child. They're being reared by whatever they see at home. Mm -hmm. But if, like, there's a difference between someone pushing you on the playground because they say that you have a big head, and someone, like my friend who was talking about the fact that she had just come from... um, from Pakistan to New York to um, uh, like GTA area, mm. and was talking about how her hijab kept getting pulled off. Wow! And it was and that's and this is after like post 9/11, right? Yeah. Um, so she and this guy kept pulling it off in the class, mm. and so the teacher kept say, would would say, you know, that's not cool, and would kind of trivialize it down to this what? is bullying. What? You know, what? don't be mean to each other. Don't don't touch her. Don't touch each other. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But she and then now she talked about the fact that I looking back, I wish he would have identified that under the umbrella of Islamophobia. Yes. Because even though that's not what the kid might have been thinking, mm. there's a reason that you're not tipping everybody's hats off, exactly. but you're going for somebody's you know, you know that this means something. Mm. There's a reason that you're calling, you know, black kids the n-word or mm. and, and other things and racial slurs on the yeah. playground you've heard them somewhere where'd you learn them? right so like you might and obviously you know like you said kids kind of are sponge they soak up whatever they see and what they oh, hear yeah. so that's the thing is if they're a sponge then why can't we start at an early age and teach them things like consent like racism like mm. homophobia like re- like call things what they actually are mm. don't just label it as bullying and think that that's you know, like, because what Timmy's going through and what I'm going through it's both scary. suck and need to be addressed, but in different ways. Yes. Like you and I remember even on the playground when I was growing up, I was like the only black kid. Mm. And anytime anything like that happened to me, any kind of racial slur, anything like that, it would always get really like brushed off into just, OK, shake hands. And but I think especially now we know better. So we need to do better in the education system is take that time to really actually talk to kids about these things like talk about okay this was very you pulling off someone's hijab this is really culturally insensitive because this is what the hijab means to muslim folks right like or you calling somebody the n-word this is the kind of we should already be learning about the history of black people in north america i don't know why we're not um (laughs) but you know it was like so we should have these conversations Mm. and and often not mm. just like a one time we read a line about indigenous people in canada and then yeah, never talked it. about it again yeah. and then like still go and celebrate thanksgiving and not yeah. ask any questions like we really need to isn't that interesting yeah like we really need to have these conversations and that was when i was writing the the my future black child one that's one thing i was thinking is like it's so important to call things name things they call things what they are mm. if you know now what they are and what they mean and why they're problematic we need to have these conversations about them and nobody's too young to have those conversations. Of course. Right? Like, they might not have it in this way, <laughs> but but there's no reason that you can't talk to it's children about it. It's so necessary. And if we started earlier with most people, we might have been in a lot better position now. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Like, when I think about the conversations that could have been had with even just the, like, 
even just our generation mm. and maybe like our parents generation how much of how much different things could have been and i do see you know changes and i do think that with our generation especially because social justice work and all that kind of stuff is so normalized mm-hmm. um i i think the next generation and i think for a lot of us our kids it'll it's going to be, be norm and i think it, i think i think we're i think we are seeing progress right like i i know i talk a lot about how much things are still similar to the way they used to be and how much things suck but i do talk with my mom sometimes about the fact that there is so much growth even in a short amount of time like there has been such a difference of kind of seeing that a lot of these things are very normalized right so it's like i think for a lot of people even when i look at some videos and stuff of like younger kids in the classroom and stuff these days and like hearing them talk about social justice and hearing them talk about racism and stuff is always like a big win so i think i think i think people are we're hearing it more and i think parents are teaching their kids these things more because we're the parents now right like our generation is we are the parents now and a lot of us are doing this kind of work Mm -hmm. so a lot of us are making sure to pass this down to our kids yes and i think it's so important because my mom she always says you know because people talk about okay well i'm my parents are from this generation so of course they're racist of course i couldn't know better but it's like okay we're at a point now where you know better so you do better yeah right (laughs) we know better there's so much access like you said earlier to information to resources especially in north america and there's so much research and information and, and work that we've done and that so many people have contributed to and so much work that's been done there's just no reason to not be having these conversations exactly. and there's no reason for our kids to not be knowing this stuff and mm-hmm. to not be better people and for us to not be unlearning things and learning things and being better people as well right mm. so i think it's so important that that idea of like once you know better do better of right course. and everyone says oh well this generation's so sensitive no we just know better now mm. so we're trying to do better <laughs> like getting rid of statements like you didn't sound black, black on the phone right <laughs> she really said that and i was like 17 i was like regardless of whether you're from the suburbs whether you're poor whether no matter what you are when you're black there's like some commonality of i can relate to that Absolutely. like going back to what i talked about earlier when growing up i was so felt so closely connected to tupac who's this like 20 something year old mm-hmm. man living in the hood yeah and i'm like a child yeah. <laughs> living in thorold <laughs> And obviously, in that way, people might not see similarities, but that going back to that idea of like moving through the world in a black yeah. body, right? Like, obviously, the black experience is different for everybody, but there's something that holds us These together of like we're dealing with things. so many of the similar things yeah. or can at least relate to so many similar yeah. things, you know? And that's why I asked that because, yeah, it, it just seems like, um, yeah, the black experience is, is always the same. Right. You know, it doesn't matter where you, where you go and um, yeah, it's always there. And, and the sad part, though, is, uh, you know, uh, and I think Trevor Noah is talking about that this in, in just in, in the context of our apartheid. And uh, I think that's how you say it. But mm-hmm. how, how that system basically was catered to make people of, of that are similar even divide themselves. Yeah. And uh, even just growing up in Africa, I loved it. Still love it to this day, and I'm, I'm, you know, forever thankful for just that experience. And I, I hope one day to continue that experience. But we even experienced things where there was there was tribalism, and right. people don't really vibe right. with you because you come from a different tribe, and right. it's like. Yo, we are fighting the same monster here. Yeah, and that's we're, like we still, you know, don't like each other. Right. Like, come on. And that's the smartest part about colonialism, right? Mm. Like, and it goes back to even when people talk about like in the transatlantic slave trade, 
there in Africa were black people who were selling other black people mm. into slavery. And so people still talk about that as well, of the fact that like certain tribes, like certain people who might have been of like a hierarchy were going against rival tribes and catching them and selling them to slavery, oh, right? Crazy. And then we talk and we think about like slavery where the whole that's the whole point of colonialism was to to divide us. Yeah. That's why even now in 2019 we still have bullshit like light skin versus mm-hmm. dark skin. Yeah. You're still brown. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you think white people are like oh light skin, dark skin. Like colorism <laughs> is real. Don't get me wrong, but like to everybody else, we're just black. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're biracial. It doesn't matter if you have a hint of Asian, yeah. hint of... They don't care. We're yeah. black, <laughs> period. Yeah. So the fact that we can find so many ways to disconnect it's, ourselves it's, is it's so sad and happens so often in, in so many... All around the world. Like, And that's and that just, fact that anti-blackness is global, right? Yeah. That's what's so unique about anti-black racism in, in is the fact that we can get it from any angle, right? It's the one race where anybody... Like we get racism from, from from black people, or we get it from white people, from brown people. We get it a lot in like East Asian countries. Like we we deal with it from everybody, and it's it's just interesting that um, I don't know. We don't really. It's something that we need to address, and mm. obviously a lot of people have more conversations about it and things like that, but. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's scary that you can take a group of people and divide them. And obviously that was the point. And, and when you look at slavery, when you look at apartheid, when you look at any kind of segregation, like that's amongst like the same group. Mm. That's the point. And, and, and in Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime, the one I'm reading right now, it, like going back to what you said, he does he talks a lot about the amount of the, there was so much when it comes to like race and the construct of race. Mm-hmm. So many different people. He said there was like, there was black, there was colored, there's Indian, mm-hmm. there's brown, like all the different ones. And in every different area in South Africa that he was, he would be labeled as something different. Yeah. So because he's biracial, when he went to certain places. This podcast has been brought to you by Blanc Studio, voted Niagara's best design company. We use creative magic to help bring your brilliant ideas to life. From branding to graphic and web design to creating future-proof marketing strategy, we are your one-stop shop for all your marketing needs. So what's your idea and how can we help you bring it to life? Find us at blonde.ca and you can find our website in the show notes. Places with all black people, he was called white. Like that was literally what he was identified as was as a white person. And then when he'd go to certain places, he where it was all colored people, he'd be considered mixed. Yeah. Which I thought would be the same thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because it's like biracial people. And then when he was in the mostly white area, he was black. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it's interesting too that there's just so many different. Um, ways that he was identified and yeah. even the way that they would talk about like people could literally work towards being white and you get like white yeah, status I heard of right that. or like even he was saying that Japanese people when they came to South Africa were considered white mm-hmm. whereas Chinese people were considered black like they were they, that's what they were called was black and then Japanese people were white because something to do with um, 
South Africa was receiving certain things from Japan, so they wanted oh, to keep, okay. stay on good terms. Yeah. So they called them white people, and then they called Chinese people black people. You got the VIP pass. Right. So I'm just like, just this, that concept of um, of anti-blackness, even when you're not black, but be, to be perceived as yeah. black, that's like the worst thing that you can be. Wow. It's interesting. What do you think about, I know we talked about St. Catharines in terms of just being in this area as a black creative. Um, like, where do you think uh, the city is in terms of just creativity overall? Like, are we progressing forward or mm. are we stagnant? I think definitely moving forward. And I think seeing, you know, growing up here and, and looking at it in comparison to even just 10 years ago, mm. there's been such growth yeah. and I think that has a lot to do with the amount of racialized Brock students mm. who have came and moved to this city and wow. have contributed their artistic contributions yeah. right I think that's that's been a big part of it mm -hmm. um, and it goes back to making me think of the fact that we talk so much well we don't but in, <laughs> in North America there's always that talk about immigrants coming and taking things from us yes. and ruining things for us yeah. but this country wouldn't be shit without immigrants <laughs> <laughs> like the contributions that Trust. immigrants have brought yeah. um, the, the businesses the jobs the um, art mm -hmm. like everything it wouldn't exist if they didn't come here for sure. um, so that's why and, and me and my friend were talking the other day about the fact that when whenever you hear like that racist person say go back to where you came from or go back to Africa you don't really want that yeah. <laughs> if all black people decided you know what let's go to Africa and bring all our resources and all of our contributions there what would you what would North what would the West be left with <laughs> Let's think about that. So don't if, don't threaten me because we'll go. <laughs> so yeah, it's just funny because um, yeah, but yeah, that's what it makes me think of is a lot of a lot of people who came here from you know who are immigrants or who even came just from like Toronto or just GTA area. Black people who've come to the city um, have livened it up so much, and I've seen mm. that so much over the last couple of years, especially, mm. which has been really really awesome. Um, so yeah, I think especially in the downtown core, seeing it more often yeah. um, in regards to film, in regards to visual art, in regards to poetry, a lot mm. of slam poetry and like spoken yes. word, which is pretty dope. Mm. Um, in regards to music, I mm. think we're still moving up with music. Yeah. I'd like to see more like um, more kinds of music. Mm. I think I see a lot of, at least where I tend to be, I, I see a lot more like folk music mm. rock yeah i like to see a bit more, more and usually they're right they're white yeah so i'd like to see a bit more diversity in like genres and the people mm. who are producing the music and making the music um mm. different kinds of music and not that not that there's not people of color who are also still doing country music and rock music mm. and dance music like all that stuff you know what i mean mm. but um but just in general, I like to see diversity in genres. Well, whoever's doing it. <laughs> that, and I agree. And I think it's also sort of like a, a, a call out to just black creators within this area. You know, if, if you have a skill, it comes back to what we're saying. If you have something, you know, a gift or share it. Yeah. Come out here a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and find out what the city has to offer. Right. You know, use the, the already existing resources to, to just add into this, this, this ecosystem that is still uh, developing. Mm -hmm. And um, like, this is no knock to any uh, non-black creators or right. any, any white people. What we're saying um, is 
is you know more diversity you know and it's like i always refer to to jackson pollock who's you know a, a painter who just you know splatters paint on the canvas um you might see it as chaos but it, right. it's initially it's it's a huge expressionist painting that we're trying to make where right. it just has so many different values and hues and just it's so much so much creativity right you know it's a, it's, a, it's a variety of things right you know and the, the world is just more colorful that way it's it's more beautiful right with more it's diversity. better that's the thing that it's yeah it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody oh, for no. us to bring more you know what i mean oh, yeah so i think especially in this city <laughs> i for feel sure. like Absolutely. i feel like it definitely doesn't hurt to to bring more diversity mm-hmm. and to bring more different kinds of art and different yes. kinds of people making the art um Oh yeah, I think and that's huge. Like that, that just translates even um, in terms of you know like like gender equality and all these things. Like man, I think just the world would be a much much better place if we were giving our women like paying them how much they they deserve. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Like allowing uh, y- y- like young female entrepreneurs to 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 have. You know, allowing them to have in just as much uh, exposure as you know their male counterparts. Right. Like, just the world would be a much better place you know, if if we weren't just so biased towards one 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 group of people. Right. You know. Absolutely. Pay women. Yeah. And pay black women. Exactly. When you and that's the thing when you look at like the hidden figures. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, literally. When you look at like the pay gap too, mm. it's interesting because even even when you look at inequality amongst women it's even broken down further when it goes Mm -hmm. to different kinds of women yeah and so you see like the pay gap between men and white women or white men and white women Mm -hmm. then you see the pay gap between white men and black women and indigenous women and you're like shit (laughs) dang okay it just baffles you again like we're saying how how is that a thing how is that possible how are you get away with that yeah and it still exists till today yeah like that's insane. And even just like the amount of roles that black women aren't given when they are more qualified and it's clear that they're more qualified mm. and they've done more of the work to get there and mm. they're more deserving of the position. But like a white dude whose father runs runs the company exactly. or a white dude who you know just looks good on paper mm. or like I remember the statistics something like a black man with uh, undergraduate degree mm. is less likely to get the job in comparison to a white man with a high school diploma. Wow. That's his highest level of education. So it's just interesting Jeez. too to see like people talk about when when our parents tell us we have to work twice as hard to get half yeah. as much they're not kidding. <laughs> they're not over exaggerating. Yeah. They mean that shit. Like we really do have to work twice as hard to get half even a quarter as much. Oh well, yeah for sure. Like because when you look at the resources that are laid out for white people we, we can't even compare no. how can we be in a like how am I supposed to race against you when you have a clear cut path to the finish line mm. and I've got like hurdles every two seconds exactly <laughs> like there's just no way yeah. and it's interesting too because often people hear this kind of rhetoric and they're like you shouldn't assume that white people are all doing well like 
people assume that white privilege means that your life is oh, just great. Yeah. That's not what it is. Of course we know that white, there's white people who have struggles, who have individual mm-hmm. struggles. There's white people For who sure. are poor, white people who are going through all different kinds of things. There's mm-hmm. queer white people who go through terrible things. Trans white people, like, there's all different kinds of white people. Nobody's saying that your life is fantastic because you're white. Mm-hmm. We're saying that there, all of the bullshit that you might already have to deal with, you don't have to deal with racism on top of that. Mm. The rest of us do. Yes. <laughs> That's the difference. And I heard somebody in my workshop explain it really well recently, and they said, um, privilege isn't what you've gone through, it's what you haven't had to go through. Mm. And I was like, shit, that's good. <laughs> bars. <laughs> bars, yeah. I was like, that's good. Because that's what it is. People think, okay, well, I'm not privileged. I haven't I haven't gone through this, 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 and that. Mm. Okay, but it's not about that. It's about the fact that you haven't had to go through being called a black bitch at work yes. and being told you didn't sound black on the phone. Yeah. And You know what I mean? Like, you didn't have this experience. Your hair. Right. Cool. So it's like, we're not telling you that your life's grand because of your skin. We're telling you that your skin has presented you yeah. with a lot less challenges and, in regards to like race <laughs> the, the dangerous part too is like when when uh, when people try and like ignore the fact that there is privilege i think part of that right. is, is acknowledging it and, and and knowing that you have you have privilege and, and, the, and the thing is like the best way people i know are the ones that can own up to that and acknowledge that and yes. use that privilege to provide platforms Absolutely. for people who are more marginalized oh yeah who can say you know what i i do have a lot of privilege here and i am in this position or i have these extra resources that you might not have or have access to oh, yeah. so i'm going to give this to you or i'm going to help you get there mm. you know what i mean like yeah in order to in order to do this, I even think of even um, in the student justice center, the for one of the, the person um, who's the the social justice the student justice center manager at Brock, um, she's white, mm. and she like, acknowledges the fact that there should have probably been a racialized person in that role because of what the role encompasses, mm. and and recognize her privilege and all these things, and talked about that with me so much at the beginning of the year. Mm. And what she did throughout the year was, in, instead of making herself the front line of everything, she got all racialized um, um, workshop facilitators to wow. do the workshops all throughout the year and, wow. and pay us to do that work. You know what I mean? So that That's we're incredible. not like getting paid for our work. We're getting to put ourselves out there, getting to, you know what I mean? Mm. For those of us who have our own businesses, getting to put exposure out for that. So instead of just sitting, and she came to all of them, all the workshops, and wow. she worked there. So instead of her being like, okay, I'm going to do all these workshops. I'm going to do all this because I have this role. She was like, no, this doesn't make sense. We're supposed to do workshops on racism and Islamophobia. She's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? So. I think just situations like that where you can provide the platform for people. But the thing is, a lot of white people don't realize how much privilege they have until they're asked to get rid of some of it. Mm. So a lot of people don't want yeah. to. And it, and that's hard when you're used to having everything. Yeah, and someone tells you, no, actually, you might have to w- walk around and kind of see what it's like to be a person of color. Mm. <laughs> they obviously don't want to do that. <laughs> no. So like, and I get that it's hard to give up things, even small things that you might have not even realized was a privilege before, right? Just mm. like the comfort and safety <laughs> of moving through the world. Like Gosh. you probably didn't realize, but there are certain things that might have to be given up in order to bring other people up. Of course. And a lot of people don't want to do that. And I, I was, uh, someone was, was talking about uh, even like sort of because sometimes the word privilege can get like can scare people away or just right. get you know tangled up you know get lost in the sauce so right. even replacing it with such words like you know advantage yeah <laughs> you know, yeah some people do have it and whether you like it or not like right. uh, for example looking at 
um, like from an African narrative, if I, my experience walking around in an African city, uh, or let's say for example, a war zone would be right. very different compared to a white, as a journalist, right, uh, right. A white, that experience would be very different for a white journalist. So when I see even these documentaries about uh, a journalist who goes to such and such, they go to Sierra Leone and they're, I'm like, yeah, well, right. some of them won't touch you because there is just that that thing that comes with being white. You know, the, yeah. the, the white person is supposed to, they're here docking. If I come there, you know, black and everything. Right. Then I, and, I, and that's your own people me. who are still going to be like. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that's interesting, too, is people it's don't crazy. even realize how insidious, like how deeply, deeply ingrained like white privilege and white supremacy is mm -hmm. not just in North America but in our world to the point where we have things like skin bleaching be a ten billion dollar yeah. business in places what? dominated by black people and brown people. Jeez. You know what I mean? Like we even the fact that we look at all these places in the world where people are trying to there's no white people living there mm. but everybody's trying to attain that, that. An, an, an unachievable beauty standard and look like yes. a white person. Be, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm um, like even places like you said like the a white journalist might go Sierra Leone and not get touched yeah. because everyone still thinks of white people as this yes, godly figure exactly. but they have no problem dragging down their own mm -hmm. right or like it's a lot of Asian countries you see the same thing where it's like you know as a, another person of color even though I'm not Asian mm -hmm. even though I'm another person of color there's going to be I'm going to experience more anti-black racism mm -hmm. from them rather than a white person who's going to experience yeah. hate from them you yeah. know what I mean like they're going to be like it's not going to be like, oh, we're both people of color. Yeah. It's going to be like, nah, you don't <laughs> yeah. cut it. Yeah. You're way too dark. <laughs> yeah. You got to go. It's it's so it's just... It's a paradox. Crazy. Uh, one thing that um, I, I'm even just learning a little bit more about it now, it's, you know, sometimes racism, yes, it can be, you know, against another race, but it, it gets even more toxic where they make you racist against yourself. And sometimes you don't even yeah. know it. You know, like people, um, I was listening to to, uh, to uh, Nipsey, who just recently mm -hmm. got, got killed, one of his interviews, and I didn't even know about him until after uh, the incident, but uh, he's talking about even, you know, when, when you join a gang and uh, you have to commit certain acts in order to show you your right. bravery and to get accepted, and you, you're driving, rolling through the hood, and you're driving down the street, and then you first see some guy, you know, dressed all preppy, and you know, I say he's square. And then you you see uh, maybe like uh, somebody from a different race, and you just drive by them. You're looking for someone who looks like you. The moment you see someone that's you know that's thugged out, maybe has the same body language, the same demeanor, how they walk, like that's you say, let's get him. Right. You're basically looking for yourself, like your own right. reflection, you know, and mm -hmm. that's who you're going after. Yeah. It's like we're being programmed to to just hate ourselves. Oh, like yeah. Even when you look at uh, even religion as well. Yeah. Um, you have one thing I still don't understand. You, you have you know these these uh, white saints that are being praised, but we have right. black saints in Uganda. We have the Ugandan martyrs, and you know how come those don't make it to to the the, the front pages of this this religious right. you know. Like there's still inequality in that in that system as as perfect oh, yeah. as it's supposed to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And like one thing that's the thing, when it comes to equality, that's one thing over the years I've had to reshape my thinking about it mm. and move more towards equity. Mm -hmm. I think we often grow up learning 
you know, treat people how you want to be treated. Yes. And one thing that was so life-changing for me was I heard somebody a few years ago say, treat people how they want to be treated. Uh, right? So it's like sense. we constantly learn, you know, do to somebody what you would want to be done to you. Mm-hmm. But it, everybody's different. Yes. Everybody requires different things. Everybody for wants sure. different things, right? Absolutely. And even just like the concept of equity, I think is so important um, for people to talk about more. Because a lot of people don't really talk about it. Like we, we'll talk about equality often, but a lot of people won't bring up the idea of equity and bring up the fact that you know so we just, are i'm just making notes oh no worries yeah. <laughs> that we are all different and that's okay right like the point like that goes back to that idea of like being colorblind mm. i don't want yeah. you to be colorblind like that's people's idea of equality right yeah. it's like i'm just not gonna see you i didn't ask to not be seen i like we should all value differences we should all respect each other so it. it shouldn't be a matter of oh well i'm colorblind or oh i don't care if you're gay or this or whatever i treat everybody the same mm. no you can recognize my difference and appreciate my difference yes but just respect it Absolutely. like no the, the issue wasn't difference the issue was people's reaction to difference mm. it was your reaction to when you saw black people and you decided hmm we're gonna enslave you yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna treat your people like shit we're gonna take indigenous people's lands we're gonna treat you like shit because we don't recognize your skin color we think you're kind of barbaric we're gonna call you savages and pretty much fuck your shit up Mm. like that was your problem that wasn't a problem of it had nothing to do with the actual marginalized person Mm. and even like the idea of equity and obviously there's always those like things on facebook you'll see where there's like a fence and people are looking over the fence and it's like equality would be giving everybody the same stepping stool and equity would be giving everybody a stool that works for them so like yes. one person was in a wheelchair so they needed a ramp yes. one person was really short so they needed a bigger one i'm not going to expect to get the same thing in regards to i don't know maybe a stool or something as somebody who's in a wheelchair mm. right like i as an able-bodied person would require something different than what they would require and so if that means that i have to they get extra or they get more because mm. they need more assistance than i do yes then that's that's an equitable way to achieve equality absolutely you know what i mean i, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense yeah and uh even just i'm thinking about it in just different applications and even from a design perspective if uh if somebody comes up to me and you know they don't even know what they want essentially but they right. they say they're looking for a logo and i ask them like why do you need the logo and they're like oh because we need more uh, online traffic well right. clearly if i give you a logo that's not going to do anything <laughs> maybe something's wrong with your website maybe what you right. need is you know just something done on your website your logo essentially didn't even need change right 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 like catering to their need right what they need, whatever that might be yeah i think they need right right that makes a lot of sense absolutely yeah and that's the thing i feel like that's a conversation that doesn't get had enough is that because a lot of times people can use that whole equality Mm. tactic of like i'm colorblind i treat Mm. everybody equally or like i treat like sometimes i'll hear white people be like well i don't care if you're black brown this that Mm. i treat you the same regardless and it's like sometimes that's also super problematic Mm. because you can't treat I don't know, especially in certain certain situations, mm. like don't br- treat a brown Muslim woman the same way that you're gonna treat like a straight white man, mm. just in the sense of like, don't treat them the same in, in regards to like, don't dismiss their history mm. and, and decide to not recognize the fact of what she's been through mm. and be like, well, I'm gonna treat her exactly as the same as I treat this white man. She can get all the same things. like. Sometimes people are going to need different resources or more resources mm. because we've 
already had such a lack of. Yeah. So you can't necessarily be like, I'm gonna treat everybody the same. Okay, so that means that all of the resources that I get, John, who already has, is 10 steps ahead of me in regards to resources, also gets, so that yeah. we can be on the equal playing field. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not equitable, no. right? Yeah. So I think that's like an interesting thing that I've really had to like think about over the last couple that years. That's been really sense. helpful for me, yeah. It, it absolutely makes sense. Um, even just, listening to you speak about some of these things and um, a lot of these these topics which which like like I said are completely um, like they just they they relate they make sense and um, they're very you're very knowledgeable in that way and Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a learning experience even just speaking to you now I'm learning and um, one thing that comes to mind is just the idea of of literacy in terms of and I've I've been learning a little bit more about it just you know as of recent you know talking about uh, things like like mental health literacy mm, yeah. and uh, one thing I don't know if it's a thing but racial literacy right. um, like gender literacy like being illiterate and in or just looking to always expand your knowledge on these issues right that way you'd know when to recognize what right you know right. Because uh, yeah, like for example, like racial literacy, and if if I'm aware of that, or if if I work on that, I'm, right. I'm able to just see things within culture. Coming back to Trevor Noah, I, I think you should just sponsor this. Honestly, podcast. Trevor Noah, <laughs> real quick, Trevor Noah, if you can, if you're listening to this right now by any chance, um, we really love you, we really support you, and I would really appreciate if you sponsored this episode or came on to the Come next episode through, right? or invited us to the Daily Show, <laughs> right? Or honestly, just like like a picture on Instagram or something. Thank you at LA Collins Vlogs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> love you. I love Come you. <laughs> I love you so one of uh one of the, the story that he was saying was uh <laughs> I think it was like a soccer <laughs> practice and uh it was in Europe somewhere and uh people just began to throw like banana peels <laughs> on the field, right? <laughs> and then uh, so they throw the banana peels on on the field and then after training, you know, one of the captains was like uh, actually yeah we we're, we're really sorry and he was apologizing to the black players mm. you know but then one thing that and listening to that I was like oh okay yeah good he apologized you know great guy but one thing that that Noah points out is why were you apologizing to the black players you or, or right away assumed that the bananas went for the black players. Yeah. Why right. assume it? Like maybe those people were literate. <laughs> you know, maybe they were just why? Right, you right. Know? But that's <laughs> sort of like an extreme case. But right, but, but still, it's it's like a lot of times I think you know people might not even recognize that you know they're they're, they're making racist remarks. Right, and I think um, even having conversations like this and. Um, just giving rise to this, it'll uh, allow for people to, to become more literate and, and to pick on these things. Definitely. On these little, on these issues. Definitely. That they don't even realize. Or like, yeah. even when, when someone, for example, like, I don't know, you know that, that, um, have you seen Mean Girls? Mean Girls. No, I keep hearing of it though. Oh, okay. So like, Mean Girls, obviously everybody knows Mean Girls. Good mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's this, and the main character, Lindsay Lohan, whose name's mm-hmm. Katie Heron mm-hmm. or something like that, she's from Africa. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know white people never want to specify. They just say Africa, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Africa, it doesn't actually say where she's from in Africa, but she's oh, wow. from Africa. So, okay. in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So she comes from Africa, and so the teacher says, we have a new student mm-hmm. from Africa, mm-hmm. Caddy Heron, they mispronounced her name, Caddy Heron. Mm-hmm. And so the teacher's like, welcome, Caddy, and points to this black girl. <laughs> points to the black girl, and she's like, I'm from Michigan. <laughs> and I thought that was always the best because like shit like that happens yeah. all the time. All the freaking time where people are like, oh, you must be so-and-so. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I remember walking down the street here one time a couple years ago. These white, old white couples walking their dog. They stopped me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Mm. It's you. I was like, who are you they're like Jerome's sister Jerome's sister you guys were over for dinner the other day Jerome's sister I was like hey if I couldn't pick up that like clearly I don't know you (laughs) she was convinced she was like no like remember you were over the other day no I don't remember oh my god (laughs) so it was just like Stuff like that happens all the time. All the time. And then I was like, no, it's I'm really not drunk. Like, I don't know who you guys are. <laughs> oh, oh, are you sure? Yeah, oh, okay. Awkwardly walk away. I was like, first of all, I should have had to convince you that I don't know you. Yeah. If I tell you I don't know you, I don't know you. Exactly. I swear there's more than one black person in the city. Like, Trust. promise. But, um. You know what? I think. so funny. Um, it's funny. It happened to me yesterday. <laughs> Literally yesterday where I had this gym and. Uh, uh, respectfully, this lady comes to me and she's like, Jamal! <laughs> it's always a Jamal yeah. or a Jerome. What Jamal. the freak? Oh my gosh. And she pulled my jacket because, you know, and I was like, <laughs> Don't touch me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> First of all, don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I try and be nice, you know, and You're right. I was like, Oh, no, I'm Chance. She's like, Oh, I, w- I was told. And she just walked away and, you know, but then it, it, it makes you think. It, it uh, it's kind of comic in those situations because I just laughed it off. I'm like, right. My name is Chance, but you know what I'm saying? Jamal, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Not Jamal. But it, it makes you think, okay, if... And I'm sure there's people who have fallen victim to this. If Jamal, you were looking to harm Jamal, you know, yep. I, I might have been, you know... A, a, All the a, time. Um, look, at, look at police. Exactly. The amount of times they're like, Oh, we thought we they just shoot a black person. Oh, we this we thought this was something that we were we were looking for. Exactly. Uh, that's that's it? That's your <laughs> excuse? Oh, we thought this was not a suspect. We mm. thought this was something we were looking for. Okay. That's t- shit happens all the time. Even people, yeah, people getting hurt, people getting jumped, people getting you know, that's wrong, terrifying, wrong, yeah. Fully identified. That's terrifying. That's yeah. And they and people they really do be thinking that we all look the same. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> that's actually been that's funny because that's a fear I've, I've always kind of had mm. for so, like it's weird that's actually something I've always kind of kept in my mind is like yeah what happens if somebody runs up on me and thinks I'm somebody and I'm not them oh yeah like what do I do in that situation and will they care yeah even when I say no I'm not them they don't believe oh. me like you know and if they're racist or if they're just looking to harm me just gen- in general They'll do it. What, that, what does that mean? And how often that happens, you know? Absolutely. And there was actually Terrifying. a case on the news about, you know, I think his name was Junior. Kid was killed, I think, um, at a gas station. 
States um, mm. fellow. I think you, they, they were they were uh, just a, a gang, you know. They they wrongfully identified the kid, and he for some reason just looked like the guy that was targeting that day. And, oh my gosh! You know, it always sad. makes me think of um, in Set It Off, one of my favorite Set movies. It off. Is it the dance movie? No, it's like an old. It's from the nineties. I think it's oh. from ninety five. It's got like Jada Pinkett, oh, okay, Latif- okay. Um, Queen Latifah, oh. um, Vivica A. Fox, and I always forget Kimberly something. I forget the last girl's name. But anyways, it's really good. You should watch it. Yeah. Okay. And there's this part. Well, I mean, you're gonna watch. I'm gonna spoil this part for you. But <laughs> do it. The Jada Pinkett's brother in the movie, he goes to this guy's house to get a haircut. And the one guy is a suspect and he's like running from the cops or something. And he has one of the ways that the cops identify him is that he has a certain logo in his hair. Mm. Like he has like a, a cut and there's like some oh, kind wow. of like, I think it's like a gang logo or something mm. in the back of his head. And so the guy's like, let me hook you up da, 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 and, and shaves, does the guy's hair, mm. gives him the same logo. Mm. And so the brother, who obviously isn't part of it, is walking down the street. The police see him in the back of his head mm. and instantly go for after him don't ask any questions or anything like that wow. but that's their their main thing of how to identify him is that logo so they just shoot him and then yeah. she's like what the fuck yeah. and then at the end the police officer's like we're so sorry da, 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 da. okay <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna have to do a little bit you got to do a little bit better than that you really just looked at the back of my head like you're really gonna have to do a little bit better than that nothing else was really similar like mm-hmm. size wise and stuff it was just the logo you don't think other people could have the same logo Oh, that part stresses me out. That part stresses me out. But that's my movie, though. That's crazy. My movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, that is that is like a terrifying thing to think yeah, of. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure it's like, and I, I talk to uh, some of my friends and these close relatives about this. I think I always just like you. It's it's. Uh, I think we all have it. Just being, you know, black and um, be living in this in this day and age. Um, you you just have things in the back of your mind like I'm right. when I'm driving I'm always looking in in that in that rearview mirror right you know looking for you know who yeah or um, like when I'm when I'm going in a gas station I make sure I take down my hood you know? right make sure my head is showing at all times my hands are showing right um, and when I go to the front like I make sure I'm, I'm not putting my hands in my pocket or anything right. Because I've I've heard stories, you mm-hmm. know, and some and I'm not saying everybody's like that, but just to but make a lot sure, of people are like that, yeah. You know, or if I'm walking down an alleyway and somebody else is coming down the other way, I'll always make sure I say hi, make make sure they're comfortable, right. not scared, you know. Right. Um, Even when they could have been the person, exactly, he's not <laughs> he crazy. Arming, exactly. You know, we I think we it's we, so true. we 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 just have this. You have something. You feel oh, like yeah. somebody's always watching. And you always are trying to do things to make white people feel more comfortable. Yeah. Even if they're the per- even if they're the person who's actually going to harm you. Yeah. And it's interesting because it makes me think of even a lot of black men, friends of mine, that I talk to, who have told me on more than one occasion, which I found really interesting, was like how gentle they are with white people mm. and like specifically when it comes to like sex or dating mm. um if they're dating a white woman or hooker having a hookup with a white woman mm. like i remember my my friend and i talked about it before and him saying like there's just 
like I won't make the first move. I'll never mm. make the first move with a white woman because mm. because there's a history in North America. There's a history of of white women falsely accusing black men of sexual violence, For sure. right? Yes, which is which is really unfortunate. And there's still so many black men in jail today who are, are there because of these false accusations. Mm. And like it's an, it's been an ongoing issue that we can look back from years and years and years and years and centuries ago mm. that's um, always existed and. Yeah, he, he was literally talking about the fact that he's like, I will not make the first move. There's certain wow. things in sex that I just won't even do. Yes. <laughs> he's like, whereas I might do it with somebody that I'm more comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I won't. There's certain things I don't want to try with white women. There's certain things. Wow. He's like, I won't make the first move. None, none of that because I don't want it to ever get turned around. And then her be yeah. like, this person, you know, tried to hurt me or tried to assault me or yeah. um, even just in general. So... Which is also scary yeah. and, and sad. That's insane. <laughs> so messed up. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the black experience. <laughs> the black yeah, experience. for real. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so in this, going back to your poetry, your poetry book, um, you chose to do it with without a a publisher, just just all on your own. Um, what made you? Like just decide to do that. Mm-hmm. Just do it on your own. Um, the simple answer: it was easier and cheaper. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but also I think the fact that I didn't like I knew other poets who local poets who have made chapbooks. Mm. So I knew that chapbooks were a little bit easier to put together mm. and something that I can get kind of quickly, whereas like going through a publisher would be more of a long term goal. Mm. So it's something that I really wanted to get out, um, something that I knew was accessible and that I could do mm. and that I had the funding for. Mm. Um, and stuff like that. So it gave me a little bit more I think also on a deeper level it gave me more freedom Mm. to not have to run things through anybody like I had some editors and I had you know that kind of stuff but like overall it was up to me to kind of decide how things were going to go which is a big responsibility so that made it difficult but I also really like being able to be in control yeah um, you have creative control yeah and just being able to like make sure okay it's going to look how I want it to look Mm. it's going to be how I want it to be um so that was the nice part about it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And how how is just that that experience? Now I'm sure you 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 have weight relieved off your shoulder. Yeah. Ever since you you re, you released it, but what's uh I'm, I know the feedback has been has been great. You know, at least from uh, I just I keep seeing it on my on my feed like people oh, really? posting it on their stories oh, and thank stuff. You. Um, from your perspective, how how has it been so far? Awful. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lydia tells all. No. Yeah. Um, it's been awesome. And hearing the feedback, too, again, that's something that I think is, like, the most rewarding and, and yeah. awesome is hearing people be like, this is so relatable. Mm-hmm. Or people who are like, this isn't relatable, but I've never thought of it this way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, hearing all the different kinds of people who've been reading it and their different responses and what they've either learned from it or just resonate with mm-hmm. in regards to it. Um I think also just that feedback of, um, yeah, people just, people just, I guess, I think sometimes, I think especially as a writer, 
it's sometimes you write things and it's so personal mm. that you don't know if it's going to make sense to other people. Right. <laughs> and you don't know if other people are going to pick up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's nice to hear people who will like recognize something and be like, yo, when you use this word or when you use the, this use of diction or... And you're like, shit, you picked up on that. Or like this use of grammar. Like it's it's kind of nice sometimes to be like, okay, you get what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's nice as well. Um, yeah, the feedback's been awesome. That's the cool. The feedback's been really, really, really awesome, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. And I think as, as an artist, too, you... To me, it's like the like those rewarding moments are when somebody gets it. Yeah. It's like just when that one person is like, I like that that spoke to me. Right. And to me, that's like that's money can't buy that. Right. You know. And even if they don't get it, they like they see it. Yeah. You know, they saw like it. they actually, they you saw actually, it. you you really see this. You were mm. you really hear what I'm saying, like, yeah. and you you know. You might not completely have understood mm. the meaning behind it, but you... You acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. It's just nice me. to you. Yeah, I'll let you hear me. <laughs> Literally. That's dope. What, so what, that's been nice. What was your... What's... You might not have a, a response for this, <laughs> and I will understand, but what's yeah. your... What's your favorite poem? Out of all mine? Yeah. Um... Hmm... I guess like favorite one to write or like just the favorite one in general, like with how it came out and everything. And, and in the book, in general, right? Yeah. Um I would say I really like Eddie tells all. Yeah, right. Um I really like Ain't It Funny. Ain't it funny? Yeah. Um so. it was a really cool one to write. And it was also, I was really happy with the way it turned out. And it always gets really well, res- good response when I read it at events. Yeah, I w- let's, we won't give the, the whole poem away, but what's the yeah, context? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, I was talking to some friends about the fact that as women, and especially as racialized women, mm-hmm. we often, I was noticing this similarity where we tended to laugh mm-hmm. about really extreme and fucked up situations right where we like really really traumatic events that could make other people break Mm. were things that we just like okay it's not even noon yet like this is just a regular day i got stuff to do Mm. and we would laugh and there's just things that we would laugh about and a lot of times when a lot of my friends and i talk about our trauma or talk about things that have happened to us or talk about things that we've gone through we the only way we can really get it out is through kind of being sarcastic about it Mm -hmm. or laughing about it or like making it into a joke Mm -hmm. um i even remember somebody said to me they're like every time you talk about something really sad through text you always end it with lol Mm. and i was like true i do that yeah (laughs) and i and i think it has so much to do with like being told that we're supposed to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders and that we're supposed to be able to have such a high pain tolerance Mm. so you know that laughter is kind of such a uh comfort Mm. you know and it was really awesome to put together because when i put it on my website before i made the book um i actually reached out to a few different friends all women of color and i Mm. wanted them to be in like i made a collage to put on to go with the poem and so it's all pictures of them um and 
in one picture they're smiling and then the next one they're serious mm. so it kind of the whole meaning the whole gist of the poem which is the last line is that our laughter says as much as our tears do mm. so wow. i kind of tried to get that contrast of them like laughing and then them smiling mm. and even a bit throughout the entirety of the book where there's all the different pictures of them kind of laughing some mm. of them more serious face but some of them just laughing of that whole all the emotions and stuff that that we can go through mm. um and the ways that we deal with them and the ways that we're expected to deal with them. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a really interesting one to put together. Um, and, yeah, I think I wrote it. It was really powerful. And I think I, it was one of those ones that I looked at and I was like, I wrote it and then I finished it and I was like, bars. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can write, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, sometimes those are no, creative. You have I to like, you. you're like, I've yeah. been humble long exactly. enough. Exactly. <laughs> I'm good at what the fuck I do. <laughs> 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 yeah, literally pat yeah, yourself on the back. Yeah, like that was yeah. that wasn't bad. That was not bad. That's dope. I love that. Yeah. So that's sick. Yeah, I really, I really liked that one. Wow. And I really, really loved um, the women that were in the collage and helped me out with that because I, I just thought the whole concept was really cool. Yeah. I liked how it came together. Yeah. yeah. And so these these young women are all like people. Obviously, in your circle, people yeah. We actually we had um, we can shout some of them out. Yeah, you I'm trying to out. think of some of them. Kells from ZK Flex. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Ann was one of the awesome women who took pictures in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 Summer Summer Sales. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know her, mm-hmm. it's a good friend of mine. Um, Tiana Thomas, another awesome boss woman who also has a podcast called yes. A Sip of Tea. Hey. Um, she's really really dope I'm about to have she was on it too. yeah she's yeah. really really dope and she um, was in that um, who else was in it I know Can't her her, uh, her insta handle is Nightlotic Queen I think oh yeah actually I don't think she was in it she wasn't I don't think Daisy was in it but Daisy is in the book so oh, Daisy's awesome too okay. but I don't think yes. she was in that collage okay. um my good friend Lori, Lori Angela Rodriguez, mm. she's awesome. She was in it. Um, there's a few more. I think my friend Hamin was in it. Mm. She's really great as well. Um, yeah, a bunch of awesome boss women. Yeah. I can't remember all of them, but I think that was a good portion of them. Yeah, I know I'm missing a couple, but all the boss ladies. But yeah, there are some. There's some really, 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 really awesome people who um, helped out with that, and that's what I love too. Even with my blog and with my website and my writing and everything, mm. it's nice to have so much like support and people who kind of can come together and help out with things like photos mm. and you know. That's important. Contribute to yeah. That's cool. Which is nice, yeah. So what's uh, what's next for you now? Hmm. I'm um, working on my podcast, Accessible. Yes. Um, I'm trying to write as much poetry as I can and trying to write uh, more essays and articles, mm. especially um, for my website. And yeah. Do you feel like that you, you've, because you, know, you set a really high bar <laughs> for your poetry? Like you're killing. Do you feel, thank like, you. Do you feel pressure to like, to live up to that or are you just like chilling you know what i it's funny when it comes to i always say when it comes to art people have this need to um 
compare like when, mm-hmm. when an yes. artist makes something exactly. they want to compare it right mm-hmm. um and i always say uh, in in a, in a way obviously you can compare the works and the differences and all that kind of stuff but in a way it can't be compared in a matter of this is better or this is worse mm-hmm. so i think of like nice. solange's album where she had a seat at the table and then she has this new album and people some people are like oh seat at the table is way better yeah but I'm like, those were completely separate projects. Mm. Like the way it's not, unless it's a sequel, you can't really compare it as better or worse, right? Yeah. Like it, um, they were completely separate projects where it's like just the dialogue in it, the lyrics, even the beats, like all of it was very different. So yeah. I was like, those are two separate projects that are both brilliant crafts in their own way. Yes. And even with Jordan Peele's work, people are like, oh, us isn't didn't live up to yeah. Get Out, or is it going to live up to Get Out? And I'm like, this isn't a sequel. These are completely separate very projects. One's, one's even different in regards to like, even genre wise, like I found Get Out to be less horror mm. as a horror film than us right yes. like there's just it's just different in so many ways it's not a matter of this was worse or this was better um so yeah i say that i i always say that because i try to remember that even with my own work mm. um and because the next you know chat book or book or anything like that or collection of poetry that i put out i know is going to be very different from Absolutely. angry black woman mm, okay um so mm. so yeah it'll be so very you, different so i don't know if you started working on it yeah wow. so a lot of the poems that i have some of the poems that i even have on my instagram where mm. i post poems um on my la collins poetry instagram mm. i have some poems on there some of them i'm kind of pulling from um and then i have so, a few other ones that i worked on hey that's dope yeah I'm excited Thanks. because yeah, just this project was was amazing, and like I told you last time, um, this is for sure a text that I will. Uh, if I'm blessed to have a daughter, I'll I'll make sure you know just uh, throw it her way. You Thank know, check, you. Check this person out. I know this person. <laughs> <laughs> this know? is her. Yeah. Wait, you have to give it to your son too. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, my son, my son as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause, Perfect. Um, just going through it. Uh, uh, allowed me to because yes we can we can we can look from the outside but you I, I will never experience right um, the world through your eyes right so being able to read that just allows me to 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 get to get your perspective or to, right. to at least begin understanding it you know, right I can't imagine um, even my sister like she recently had had a situation where um, with her hair at her at her workplace, and it was sadly it was an, another person of you know of mm. uh, was black as well, mm-hmm. you know again coming back to that that self hate thing, right? But um, I can just only imagine how many times, uh, you know, black women experience, you know, such things, right? And this text again just allowed me to again to be a little put myself in 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 your shoes, you know, right. for for a minute for those number of pages right right know? so I, I really appreciate it and i appreciate you for giving us this work you thank know? you thank you uh, so much yeah is, did you have any questions for me <laughs> hmm. How you doing? flip the script yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i guess what what do you what do you find the experience like for you as a as a black creative uh, in a, in this area in this area, I think it's... And, sorry, <laughs> like, let me add to Nicholas. <laughs> Keep adding. Um, and I think as a black creative who 
one as a as a man, but mm. also, and I know we've talked about it before, of like you talking about the importance of being multifaceted as a person in mm. general, but especially um, not feeling limited, mm. and how that was something that you learned so much. Mm. Um, being a black athlete an entrepreneur a creative yes. like and how all these things actually do intersect really well mm. and and some people being like well how are you going to be an entrepreneur and a creative and it's like yeah. those things literally go hand in hand yeah um, or how are you going to be an entrepreneur and a creative and an artist and an athlete yeah like i think especially like perceptions of what men and what black men should be exactly right like if we were to see Demar Derozan decided. Mm. Is that a basketball player? Yeah. Or did I make so, that up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is that a comedian? I, I think Derozan is the best. I don't know. I'm I'm not too into <laughs> basketball. So I wouldn't. Let's say LeBron James. I'm pretty sure I got LeBron. it right. But so let's say LeBron. Like if LeBron James decided to write a poetry book, yes. people would probably. Wow pretty shitty to him trust you know like people would be pretty shitty to him yeah. so you definitely took a leap of faith when you decided to kind of put that mixture and bring both of those worlds together of like wow. art and and um athlete mm, yeah thank you thank you for first of all recognizing that mm -hmm. you know um even you speaking to that it it just because i always wonder because um many people uh there's people who appreciate it but then there's also a crowd that quote unquote doesn't get it right um people say they're confused right um and uh, again i i absolutely now that you 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 basically pointed it out i think uh we're so used to the, the image of the black man just being mm. you know the guy dunking right or the logo on on a pair of sneakers but you know or or if you are an artist you have to be rapping you have right? to be rapping yeah. So um, I don't think there are many people are used to to the many sides of you know the black man. Right. So I've I've experienced a lot of um, you know like I said a lot of appreciation a lot of support um, from you know my circle. But then um, yeah, there, there's still people who don't quite understand it, and I'm learning how to navigate right. those waters as right. well. Um, and then there's also again. Uh, coming back to, to just that idea of stereotypes, I've also experienced some some um, some sort of you know pull from my 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 people as well because right. we're we we're only used to well we're just based on our situations or our circumstances we're used to just put out putting up the the tough the tough right. guy right you know and then when they see uh, you know another uh, young black male sort of you know, showing the artistic side or, right. you know, uh, the more, they say art is, you know, a little bit softer, showing that softer side, right. they're confused, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I've experienced some of that and then, you know, uh, but I've, I've tried to basically use that to my advantage and, right. you know, just finesse around that and right. play around with that narrative as well. Um, use a, a lot of satire to just, you know. Right. <laughs> Um, so that's why even on my social media, like some of the handles are very ironic, right? Right. Very athletic. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm doing a business pitch. That's <laughs> yeah, so I, I see that as just you know more motivation to do my own thing. Right. Um, but nonetheless, I'm I'm more than thankful for the support. Um, and just the, yeah, the people that 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 get it and right. have have. Uh, have been you know relentless in supporting right so, yeah it's i think it's interesting too how you talked about like stereotypes um in regards to 
what we expect black men to be, obviously. Because mm-hmm. even within, without even intersecting all those different things, even just in the sports world, mm-hmm. there's still stereotypes surrounding different sports, oh, yeah. right? So like you think of black men, people automatically go football, basketball, yes. but they don't think of you like a black wrestler, oh, a black man being a wrestler. Yeah. You don't think about a black man necessarily playing golf unless it's mm-hmm. Tiger Woods. Yes. You don't think of a black man playing... I don't know, lacrosse oh, or curling or especially hockey. Hockey. Right? So yeah. it's interesting because we even have these like stereotyped ideas of oh, yeah. what sports we can and cannot play, yeah. what artistic things we can and cannot make mm. money off of. So if you're going to be a black athlete, it has mm. to be basketball or, or football. And if exactly. you're going to be a black artist as a man, you're either going to be maybe like a comedian yeah. or a rapper. Yes. Or, um, actor yeah <laughs> it, it, it muscle and you actor. have to play specific roles yeah. too right like yeah. I, I don't yeah I, that's one thing i i never understood you know and um so many people i would come up to me and say yeah you can only be this you know you have to make sure you 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 don't confuse people but my approach is um if, if i'm i'm blessed with with gifts and talents right i don't see the the, the point in in hiding them you know right so even growing up i remember um being uh, so when we came to canada uh, i've always loved skateboarding and i picked up a skateboard and i was just doing my own thing you know right learn, learning really fast and excelling at that but even again my type my people would be like you're trying to be white Right. Like this, I didn't get it. I'm like, it's, it's not a white thing. It's, no. It's a skateboard. <laughs> I can ride it and clearly yeah, I can. I'm good at it. Yeah. Hi, thank you. Nice. <laughs> you know? And then but, I started playing volleyball and I could jump really high and I was right. just killing it in that. And, and that's also not a sport, it. yeah, that they think they were, of. Oh, wow, you you don't play basketball? You know, like, right. well, what are you doing? And picked up wrestling and, right. you know, so, uh, but now I've, 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 I'm learning. I'm not, I'm not going to say I have, like uh, learned, you know the whole thing. But I'm learning how to, how to just do my own thing and right. you know just do me. And even creatively, it's funny because, like we said, like you could be maybe like a rapper or mm-hmm. um, an actor. And even then, there it goes even further into the fact that like you can be an actor like Bernie Mac mm-hmm. or something, but you can't be an actor in regards to like don't you dare go into the theater world exactly you know yeah. don't be a black man and do going into musicals mm, like yeah. you know like that's not if you're in mainstream media then sure mm. but if you're in like on broadway fuck that <laughs> nobody's like, nobody's no. taking you seriously yeah. so that's interesting that's too that like funny. even within these things there's it so, trickles down so much to even smaller parts where it's like you can do this but don't do this 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 Thank you me. can do sports do don't do this 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 you can only drink in the colored fountain right literally literally and that's the thing too is like people like to it's easier when they can fit you into a box because then they know how to treat you mm, right exactly if, if it's not easy to to digest and easy to box somebody into it then people don't really validate it people don't get it yeah like, and uh, that's that's always something I, i'm thinking about like and it makes sense what you're saying um yeah once people don't understand something it, the next option for them is it's sadly not oh, I'm gonna try and understand that this or try and like <laughs> no it's it's hey I'm, I'm yeah. I don't like it I don't get it so I don't like it exactly it. exactly and this is why again I love art because um, it it, it uh, it's almost like like having faith which again is it, there's also paradoxes in that too but 
And to me, it's like having faith is like, I don't get something and I don't have the answer, but I'm not gonna hit on it. And right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and understand it. If right. I never get to understand it, that's At least you believed in yeah, it, yeah. It's art. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? No, so I feel I'm just, that. Gonna, I'm just gonna live, live and accept it. Right. You get me? Right. But um, sadly, just people don't wanna invest that time to to at least even try and understand it right you know like oh um i don't get why 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 black people love to dance or na 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 so you know i'm just gonna be racist about it. right you know, go do your research you right know, look at our roots right you know what i'm saying and right. you'll understand even appreciate it exactly you know exactly right yeah it's so true it's crazy it's so true <laughs> and even like to that i think it's not just us to have rhythm like everybody has <laughs> rhythm it's a human thing right you just, <laughs> you know. it's just we got a little more of it <laughs> we've worked we've worked on it we've worked on it exactly. that drip <laughs> yeah um yeah any any uh any advice to just young black creatives or just uh yeah all creatives in, in general use all of your resources mm use all of your resources and don't think of networking as some cutthroat business term mm. where you just have to go and meet with the highest of the high mm. in order to get resources look at networking as being a part of your community but look at networking as what we're doing of being meeting each other having similar interests and ideas and ending up actually building friendship off that and now yeah being able to give each other business opportunities from that Absolutely. going on each other's podcasts oh, yeah. you know buy you bought my book you know like investing in each other's stuff yeah i didn't that's, buy that that was an investment <laughs> <myself>. exactly <laughs> that's the thing like networking understanding that networking is being a part of your community the, the amount of people that i've met that i've gotten jobs through that i've gotten opportunities through have been through people that i've met and made real friendships with real real connections with it wasn't with anybody that i've gone to a, a high-end conference and and talked to mm. most of those people i've talked to they they talked about business ventures and never got back to me wow. but the people that i talked to who you know were closer in age were who had other experiences like all of these people are the people that I still keep in my circle now who mm -hmm. I'll think, okay, even in regards to like, I know black people in the area who are um, caterers mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to book him. Yes. I know I'm going to book this person. It's a black owned business. Mm -hmm. I know their food quality is great. I'm going to book them. I know that if they need somebody to come to do a workshop or speak at an event, they're going to choose me. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like we kind of, when you invest in your community, you're always going to reap the benefits of it, right. you know? So I'm, I'm really big on that. No matter what community you're in, whether you're in the hood, whether you're in the suburbs, get to know your community, get to know your people. Um, and yeah, use all the resources you have. Um, I, for example, I always kind of talk about the fact that everybody that I grew up with here in this city, because it's a small city, such a predominantly white city, everyone growing up was always like, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait mm -hmm. to go to Toronto. I can't wait to go to New York. I can't yes. wait to go somewhere bigger. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that growing up too, like, okay, you know, I'm an artist. I'm probably not going to stay here very long. And I don't plan on staying here necessarily long term, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the second I graduate high school or second I graduate university. And then mm -hmm. I ended up actually staying here for yeah. university and staying here for some time after, too. And looking at all of the resources and the people that I've met and the connections that I've made. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if I was to just up and go to somewhere bigger like Toronto, like leaving last year, if I was just up and decided to do that, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have 
my book wouldn't exist. Exactly. Wow. Like the people that I know here in this, yeah, it's a small community, but I know everyone. Mm. I've worked with so many of these people. They trust me. They they value my work. Yes. I had somebody invest in me and and end up paying like funding me to to publish my book wow. whereas i probably would have just had to pull that money out from my own pocket if mm. i was to just go to a new big city where there's so many more people who are already doing the work that i'm doing yeah right it'd be even more competitive even more difficult to navigate through mm. people who don't know me don't know my history don't know my work um and so i'd go there with no resources no funding and no connections, no connections. um and just think that, okay, because there's more opportunities here, I'm going to necessarily get one of those. Mm. No, that's not the case. Sometimes you have to work with what you have in your community. Mm. You might not like that you live in a small area or that you live in a tiny kind of St. Catherine's Thorold <laughs> area. <laughs> and yeah, it has its downfalls, but so I always am a big believer that before I'm not just going to leave my community before I build it up. Yes. You know, so that's always that's been something great. big for me is like investing in my community, mm -hmm. doing workshops in my community, bringing back to my community before I just, I, people always want to talk about, I'm going to change the world, but they don't, they can't start in their own community. Mm, right. Exactly. I want to change the world. So I'm going to go to Peru and <laughs> go on this, you know, this trip. That's great. That's great. Yeah. But people <laughs> but need, people are poor here. Trust. People need money here. Mm. People need education. Youth need resources here. Mm. So maybe start there with the people that you have quick access to and then build up from there, yes. right? So I'm a big believer in that. So yeah, going back to that, use all your resources. If you apply for funding whenever you can, whatever you're eligible for, apply for. Mm. Um, and just put yourself out there. I think sometimes that's the hardest part, right? Yeah. But like, but once you once you do, it's it'll definitely be, um, I mean, and it makes me think of, the, again, <laughs> ending on our Trevor Noah note. <laughs> One more Trevor Noah quote um, in his book. He talks about um, how he's never regretted any of the things that he's done in his life and how regret is like the worst thing in the world. And he talked about the fact that with everything else, you get an answer. Like rejection is an answer. Mm -hmm. Failure is an answer. Wow. And he says regret is a question to an answer that you'll or a question that you'll never have the answer to. Wow. And I'm like, that's so that's true, cool. right? Is that idea of even if you fail, even if you're rejected. And as artists, you're going to apply for funding. You're going to apply to things. Mm -hmm. You're going to apply to get your stuff posted on websites. You're going to get rejected. Absolutely. You're going to get rejected. Like right. the amount of times I'm sending in articles and stuff to Huffington Post, to this place, to that place, you're going to get rejected, mm -hmm. period. Internships that you apply to, you know, if you apply to your, even if you're applying to your master's, things like that, like there's going to be rejection. There's going to be failure. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do it, it's going to be a lot worse than if you do. And you have a lot more experience and more credentials if you're putting in that work, right? If you're, if I'm going up to Mate and speaking every week at open mic and doing my poems, that's better than even, maybe I'm not getting paid for it. Maybe I am not, you know, getting, reaping the benefits right away from it, but that's putting me out there. Mm. When I go and speak at places like that, that's when people get to know me and they decide to buy my book. Right, like things like that. You so you have to really just put yourself out there, use all your resources, um, and look for choose to look for an answer rather than to have to deal with regret, even if that answer is failure. Failure, I love that. 
And there you have it, Lydia Collins in the flesh. Um, as mentioned, after this conversation, we would go on to collaborate on hella projects together. Lydia is my home girl, like, <laughs> you know, that's my homie right there. Um, and uh, yeah, her website currently is lydiacollins.ca. And if you want to find out more information about Lydia, if you want to hit her up on Instagram, her handle is lacollins underscore. Once again, it's lacollins underscore. Until we chat again, uh, let's keep encouraging each other. Let's keep it positive, And I'm going to catch you on the other side. Bless up. This podcast has been brought to you by Blanc Studio, voted Niagara's best design company. We use creative magic to help bring your brilliant ideas to life. From branding to graphic and web design to creating future-proof marketing strategy, we are your one-stop shop for all your marketing needs. So what's your idea and how can we help you bring it to life? Find us at blanc.ca and you can find our website in the show notes.